so good to be together, seriously. And uh, it will be great to be back in the same room together at some point in our lives. We're just so looking forward to that. But great to have you here. Hey, we've thrown up on the screen here a picture, a couple pictures kind of mashed together. This is uh, two pictures from October 19th. Uh, October 2019, sorry, October 2019. So if you look on the left there, hopefully it's on your left, it's on my left. There's no mirroring with this, right? You know, sometimes with the iPhone, yeah. I think it's on your left. Um, you can see, this is a picture, oh gosh, this is a picture from uh, our event, uh, our Thanksgiving long table event that we ran in October 2019. It was such a beautiful evening together. We'd always dreamed of doing just a night where we would all be together, we would eat, we would celebrate, we'd just spend and share our lives together. And uh, for Heather and I, this is one of just the landmark moments of our ministry um, and time uh, leading this community. And it was a beautiful evening together just to be with friends and share together, the kids running around, it was a blast. Then a couple weeks later, the, uh, the picture on the right is actually our very first new people kind of, I forget what we called it, new people lunch. Um, uh, at Praxis. This was kind of the first uh, new person's lunch that we ran as there was a number of people that we invited in to have lunch with us and just join in as we shared the mission and vision of our church. And I think there was like a taco bar, of course, and uh, just excited to welcome new people and share the vision of our church. And I just look back on these times. Obviously, we miss these moments. I also think about, you know, the turn into 2020. Some things that we were doing in 2020 was just so fun. Um, I think of uh, in, on Family Day weekend in 2020, being able to meet throughout the city and have meals together. Uh, we called it Family Feast, where people were joining in. And then the real event that stuck out to me was a couple weeks after that, at the end of February, we ran our first Ash Wednesday gathering. And if you remember, it was like a beautiful evening. We packed out the glass room at Goodwill. We ate together, had this massive taco bar. I think there's a theme here. I think it's ta tacos is the theme. And we ate together and we worshiped together, if you remember you were there. And we prayed together and we walked out of that building that night. I remember walking out just thinking, man, God is at work among us. That there was this sense that this is a snapshot. These few events here and the momentum we were seeing as a church, these snapshots are really what we wanted to become and who we wanted to become. Eating, worshiping, celebrating, doing life, sharing life uh, together, and uh, it's beautiful. Now, and none of us expected when we walked out of Goodwill on Sunday, March 8th, that we wouldn't return for months on end because of a global pandemic. And listen, I'll join in with lament and say that this season, this particular season, has been hard at every level. There has been a psychological and emotional toll on many of us as we walk through the pain of transition, uh, some of us through job loss, others of us are stuck at home with our kids. And I used, we used to joke about that, we used to say it jokingly, but real, in reality now, we see some of the things that even it does in our kids. You know, Heather and I um, have four beautiful uh, children. We love them so much. And uh, we've just had to really almost make a declaration in our minds, in our hearts, that we're going to make the best of this season. But we know for many, it's just hard being stuck on a screen all day. And listen, I can't even buy underwear at the store right now. So you know how the, the, kind, you know how the drill goes by now. These are the kind of conversations we have at the grocery store in the parking lot. You know, in the parking lot. I don't know how many parking lot conversations you've had at grocery stores or stores with people, but this seems to kind of be the new thing. And as a church, honestly, it's been difficult at times to manage the wave of change and how to approach things. You know, I don't know if you know this, in Bible college, there was no course on pastoring through a global pandemic. That just wasn't an option. Maybe it will be in the future, but this is something that uh, we're all learning in, businesses and families, and obviously at a church level. And I don't know, I don't know if you know this, but 11, 11 out of 45 households at Praxis have moved out of the city to other places since the beginning of the pandemic. 11 out of 45, that's like, that's 45 households, not total people, but households. That's like a quarter of our church. And many of these people we love, well, all these people we love, but many of these people were deeply involved in an active part of our, our community. 
And to be honest, uh, that's hard when the transition has come for people. Some have moved home, some have moved west, some have moved because of job opportunities and the things that COVID has brought, and that's hard. On the other hand, uh, there are some of you that have joined in here at Praxis um, either kind of during the pandemic while we've been together online or maybe just before. And honestly, it's so great to have you. I mean, what a weird time. Heather and I always talk like, what a weird time. But we're super thankful that you've joined in on the mission here and you're joining in with us. If anything, this season through COVID, I keep saying, has really revealed who we are, right? If anything COVID has done for us, it's really revealed probably what was going on in the foundation of our life before the pandemic hit. This is on a church level for churches. Uh, COVID, I always say, has really revealed what churches and who churches are. And this is on a family and relational level for families. And this is on an individual level. Many of us, uh, you know, for us as individuals, this is really, I know for myself, COVID has exposed who I am. Now, I'm sure uh, some of you have experienced the ideological changes at play since the beginning of the pandemic. Many of you, because I hear people say this, a lot of people in our lives say this, I'm, I'm sure many of you have been ghosted by friends you thought were close. This is what people say. I know that you've probably had to bite your tongue when not responding to social media posts on masks or vaccines or school and church closures or the election cycle in the U.S., right, last year, or social and racial justice. I'm sure you've had to bite your tongue on some of those things, and the list goes on. COVID, honestly, it has revealed who we truly are. And as a church, we've just tried to carry on through this. We're not perfect, obviously far from perfect, and we're learning, but we've tried to carry on. I was thinking uh, this week that since the beginning of the pandemic, we've been able to move forward. Last year, we were able to take our gatherings online. In the spring, we ran a course called the Introduction to the Hebrew Bible, which was like the highlight of the year for me in 2020, spending some time each and every single week with people in our community and just wrestling through the making and the shaping of the Old Testament. It was so much fun. Our spring outreach last year supported the London Food Bank and Avona, Avona Women's Shelter. We had a focus in the spring on mental health and the church, and we brought in a registered social worker and a counselor just to share on mental health and cultivating that as Jesus followers. Our Faith for Exile summer campaign was, we felt was pretty well engaged as we looked at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in our moment, in the, the tide that's changing. And we did a midweek podcast with some folk in our church just wrestling through what it means to be a discipleship, uh, be, be a disciple here and now. We held a summer event on racism in the church that many of you guys participated in, and it was, uh, I think, a really important evening inviting guests in for us to share on racism and the church and uh, all that was going on and all that is going on in our cultural moment. Then, in the fall, we took our gatherings to Zoom. We just felt like, okay, this is going to be longer than we ever thought. Church can't just be a YouTube kind of hit play on YouTube. There has to be a more integrated way in the moment to gather together. And so we moved everything online. Our fall outreach, many of you joined in and served with us at Arc Aid. Many of you gave. I think it was two or three times over the fall we were able to serve almost 200 meals on each of these nights and join in and serving and helping. Then in, at the beginning of December, I know I keep going here, but the beginning, beginning of December, we were able to um, be together for one of the first times together in the same room. We had child dedications, we had baptisms, we took time to worship. Our virtual Christmas party was so much fun, and uh, our Christmas services were a lot of fun, being able to reach out and really, I think, present the, the, the Christmas story in a way that was engaging. Then we turned into this winter, over 40 people participated in the marriage course as we kind of came around that and the idea of marriage and the importance of marriage for those that are married. And then over the last few weeks, we've just seen so many people step up. Our spring outreach, again, this spring has been to come alongside Arc Aid. I think in just a few days, as Arc Aid kind of put the call out for extra supplies, that $1,000 came in in support of Arc Aid. We were able to buy a food wrap for them and actually this week still have to go and, and buy some more uh, as funds have come in and we're just so thankful that you've joined in with that. So. There's been lots going on. And then at Easter, obviously, we met in person, really with this vision and hope 
that we would start gathering regularly in the evenings on Sunday as a way in which we could gather regularly in person together. And we thought this would be the trajectory. Obviously, with the most recent lockdown, it squashed that. And we've been patiently waiting for this to change. And, you know, this is kind of why we've been just on YouTube and Facebook the last four or five weeks is because we thought that this would be a short or shorter season. And we've just realized through all of this that nothing can be expected and that we thought it would maybe be, it would be a little transition time before getting back together. And obviously it's been longer than we thought. But, but, like Kevin McAllister finding his mom at the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center, or Charlie Conway scoring on a penalty shot to beat the Hawks, or Ali and Noah smooching at the end of the notebook. Okay, let's be honest, I've never seen the notebook. I don't even know, that, even know if that's the characters. I Googled it. I'm trying to mix it up. Whatever your example is right now, or whatever example you want to use, we feel like we are beginning to see light at the end of the tunnel. And with that, um, before we get into summer, what we thought is we just take a, a couple minutes and bring you up to speed on what we feel are like some important things that will affect our future as a Praxis Church and as we move forward. And we just feel like as we enter into these summer months, now is a good time for us to share with you some of these things. So this isn't gonna be like your normal kind of preach and teach this morning. I'll have a little reflection at the end, but we just wanna draw everybody in and lead you into what we feel as a lead team and as what we've been praying, discerning where we're headed. As you know at Praxis, we have a vision. And one of the visions is, is to have a sustainable rhythm within our community that would see us kind of move into our future. And so there's, and you know this if you've been around, there's three particular things that fit that rhythm. One is every single season we have three things. One is we have a spiritual practice. Two, we have a local outreach. And three, we have a teaching series and a theme. Uh, one of my concerns is I, I often talk with Christians and Jesus followers a part of churches is if you were to ask them, what does your church do? A lot of times people would not be able to articulate what their church does outside of they go and sit somewhere, they worship to some music, they listen and, and participate in some music and they listen to somebody talk, particularly with the Britney Spears mic on, right? Like a lot of times the extent of people's involvement is sitting and watching. And we always said, what we would love as a community is a particular rhythm to draw people into. So every season we have a spiritual pra practice or discipline that we resource you with. It's our responsibility to resource you with. So right now we're practicing simplicity and thinking about our time, our money, and our stuff, trying to put resources in your hand, and we've had teaching throughout the year on that. Every season we have a local outreach, and right now, again, we've partnered with Arc A just because of the pandemic and so many needs there. We felt like we just need to keep going with Arc A, serving, giving, and uh, being a, a blessing to that community as they serve the marginalized in our series, a city. And every year, every season, we have a teaching series. Right now, we've kind of been going week to week, but on an, a normal kind of type of season, we have a teaching series going. So we just want this rhythm to be simple and we want to draw people in and we hope that people could actually articulate back what they're a part of. That church isn't something that you just go to. It's important to gather. Obviously, church is a gathering, but it's actually something to, you, we all participate in and know what we're getting into. The other part of our vision, and again, you know this if you've been around, is we use this word eucharismatic a little bit. It's just a mashed up word that has been used. And basically we see three things in this eucharismatic vision. One, we're rooted. And really what that means is as a church plant and a newer work, a newer church community, we just, we don't think we got here in a vacuum. This is the problem with a lot of church plants. They come to a city, they parachute in, we're gonna change the world, we've just shown up and we're the greatest thing. We've always tried to th think and say, listen, this is not us, we are part of something that's historic. And in that, our practices will be rooted in that. So every gathering, we read from the lectionary. We read scripted prayers in our gathering together from people of old. Just to say, we're, we don't just pray off the cuff. That's part of it. But we actually are drawn in to people who have prayed before us. And we tend to follow the church calendar, at least be attentive to the church calendar. And we also take time every single gathering to come to the table. We're just, we want to be a rooted community, and that's part of what it means to be eucharismatic. The second thing, though, in the eucharismatic vision is that we're charismatic. 
And please don't let that scare you. I've left my flags at home, okay? Um, I know we, the, the word charismatic has, I'm at home though, so I guess I could go get my flags. I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, I know some people have real hard time with charismatic because of past experiences. I would, ju- I would just say, I mean charismatic in the best sense. We're open to the Holy Spirit. We're open to the gifts of the Spirit and the guiding and the leading of the Spirit. As we've even been talking the last couple of weeks, Jesus is only here by his Spirit. And so we're Holy Spirit people. There's been so much emphasis on the Jesus kind of movement, the Jesus Center movement. I'm all for that. The Jesus Collective, cool, that's great. But we really don't know who Jesus is without the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so we're Holy Spirit people. And that's not because we're a part of a denomination. That's because we follow Jesus. So we're rooted, we're charismatic. And then the other part of this you charismatic kind of vision is we're culturally engaged. I hate the word relevance, but if you want to use that word, use it. We're culturally relevant. Um, I don't wear a cape or a collar as much. That's not bad. Um, I, my preference is like skinny pants and chucks, and we have high-definition kids' lessons that are high energy. Um, in our gatherings, when we meet regular people, bring coffee, and it's very relaxed. We feel like we just there's part of us that wants to be deeply rooted, charismatic, but also culturally engaged. And um, I think we've been able to, to live that out the last few years as we've leaned into this kind of vision. And we're just thankful for everybody that's been participating. With all that, I just want to remind us of that. Those are the things that are before us. We have this rhythm and we have this type of kind of community we want to be. I want to give you, and what we wanted to do, is just give you a snapshot of what the next few months are going to look like. And then we also wanted to take some time and share a little bit of a new rhythm, something we feel God has called us to. And then I want to take a minute and just share a couple things personally about myself and and Team Fest and some things we're excited about. So here's what Sundays, I mean, man, talk about COVID is the ultimate, and I don't know if you work in what your job is, if you have to communicate with people. I feel like at times we've kind of put, and I've put my foot in my mouth because you think lockdowns are going to loosen and you start to say things and then you realize it, it, do, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it's only, it seems to get worse sometimes with the lockdowns. But we do feel like we can tell you a few things about where we're headed over the next few months. Okay, so because we thought this was going to be a shorter season, we decided the last at least the four weeks after Easter when we were going to lockdown that we would simply have our gatherings on YouTube and Facebook. And we did that thinking again that we would move fairly quickly towards being back together. We realize now we have no clue what's going to happen because everything's based on percentages as far as vaccinations and that's for another time and another day. But we do feel we're going to go in three steps here. The first step is we are back on Zoom now. We will be back on Zoom in the mornings at 10.30 a.m. for the next number of weeks until lockdown is lifted and, and ultimately until churches are able to gather back together in person. So we will now move back 10.30 in the same room together, joining in together for corporate worship like we are today, and we'll do that. Then the second kind of stage for us is once churches are able to gather in person, our summer gatherings will then move to 5 p.m., on Sunday evenings at Village Green Church, and those will go until Labor Day. And we just wanted to prep you now that as soon as government restrictions lift, we will move our gatherings to Sunday evenings at Village Green just for the summer months, okay? Now listen, hear me out. We understand that Sunday evenings may not be incredibly ideal for some people. We get that. But you're part of a church family, and can can we just be freaking honest? Nothing has been ideal the last year and a half. And so we just hope as as being a part of a church community that you would, even if that may be a type of sacrifice, that you would join us on Sunday evenings once we're able to do that. Village Green right now, we're just going to do it for the summer months, just Sunday evenings, 5 p.m. Village Green, we feel, is a great spot that meets our needs. It helps us keep our gatherings simple. All the gear is there, and they've been really great to enable us to be able to use that space. These gatherings will also have childcare for children up to grade one. And we're going to work on that and have a room. There's a, there will be a room for children up to grade one. And we'll also have packs and other things for older children and junior highs. So that's the plan. On Zoom, 1030, as soon as restrictions lift, we will move towards being together on Sunday evenings for the summer months. And if you uh, don't feel comfortable quite yet or you're out of town, you can actually join us on those Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. on Zoom. 
we will have a live stream on Zoom that people can join in with us if you'd like to join with us in real time. And we'll have that available, all right? So Zoom, then moving towards Village Green. And then the third step for us is starting in the fall, our gatherings are actually going to move back to Sunday mornings. And as soon as we get more clarity about that, we will bring you guys up to speed and uh, we'll have lots of things to share with you over the next little while about these gatherings on Sunday mornings. But for now, as soon as restrictions lift, we will be at Village Green until at least Labor Day weekend. And the, the hope is, is to kind of continue to cultivate the practices that we do in our corporate setting and when we're together. We'll have worship and music, teaching, time to connect with each other. Um, we see these kind of five things, uh, worship, teaching, connection. One of the things we really feel is that we would like to develop a greater sense of prayer in our community and uh, in our gatherings, make sure that there's a deeper sense of prayer. And obviously we'll have the table and communion together. Those are the five things we just really want to make sure are available in our gatherings and uh, something we're ultimately cultivating as a community. So for the summer, we're just going to have some one-off teachings. We're going to have some guests over the summer share with us, and I think it's going to be a great time. When we get back into person, a couple of those evenings, maybe just worship uh, evenings together that we'll take time together. And so we hope you can join us when that happens, but for now, we'll be on Zoom. Our, uh, we got a couple series coming up in the fall that we're looking forward to. Our fall series is going to be called, Is It Worth It? The Discipline of Church in a Post-Pandemic World. And we're just going to look at like, hey, you're a part of the, is, it is the church really, is church worth it post-pandemic? I mean, who would ever in their right mind put the discipline of church in a teaching series? I mean, who would ever want to listen to that? But it is what it is. I think it's going to be important for us to wrestle through is what we're doing, is this, is this important and is the church, does it even mean anything in the world that we live in? And then the rest of the year, we'll uh, walk through the book of, or the letter of Galatians that Paul writes to the church in Galatia. So that's where we're headed. Some different voices over the summer, a church foc uh, series focusing on the church, and then Galatians as we head into 2022. Now, one of the things that's emerging as churches begin to regather in the future is whether or not we are going to go back and do everything the same as we come back together. I mean, there's, been, there's just been a lot of questions around this. I've heard people pose the question, are churches just going to do what they've always done? Are they going to go back to primarily a music and teaching event every Sunday? And I've even heard people ask, is this really going to work in a post-pandemic world? And I actually think these are beautiful questions. Honestly, um, these are actually questions that I was asking before the pandemic. I was thinking for our own context at Praxis about discipleship and what we do as a community and how our church gathers. At, at the end of 2019, this was really on my heart and my mind, and I was thinking through this even then, and then obviously COVID happened. One of the things that I recently proposed to our lead team is the continual development of our Praxis communities. If you don't know, Praxis communities are what we call, in church kind of language, small groups. It's kind of what we do here. They're typically groups of about 8 to 15 people that gather together. Uh, these groups pre-pandemic basically met during the week at the discretion of the leaders and the groups that were, the, the people that were involved. And honestly, it was great. We had a, a few groups going. Some of our best moments, I know for Heather and I, have been around our living room and around our kitchen table, around our back deck, eating together, uh, doing life with people, practicing the way of Jesus together. Uh, practice communities is something we've wanted to see grow and develop, and uh, it's, a, I think, an important part. But one of the things through the recent season of cultural shifting is we've been asking questions about how we can see people engage community in a deeper way. And our, our lead team has really talked through this recently. And one of the questions that has come up is, could we take one Sunday a month and instead of gathering for our larger kind of collective corporate gathering, could we meet in Praxis communities throughout the week, or throughout the city, sorry. So once a month, could we, instead of maybe on a large scale getting together in our larger gatherings, could we spread out in, on Sundays in our communities across the city? The thought is that this would, one, it would help deepen the groups that already exist. So we have a couple groups meeting, 
And I think it would be, you know, a way in which we could deepen the community within these, those groups. But two, and in particular, it would be a way to get everyone at Praxis in a community that would meet at least once a month because it would be on Sunday morning when we're used to gathering corporately anyways. The thought is, could we invite everybody into this? And it, it, it would be an opportunity at least once a month that everybody would be in community face-to-face -face in homes together. So as we've wrestled through this and talked through this, we've decided that this fall, the new Sunday rhythm at Praxis will be gathering all together on Sundays as we have, as we get back to Sunday morning gatherings. We will gather on Sunday mornings, but on the first Sunday of each month, we're gonna meet in our Praxis communities and we'll not have a larger kind of corporate or you know, like larger gathering like we normally would. We, we would be in Praxis communities throughout the, 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 throughout the city. Now, Hear, hear me clearly. We're going to have church. It's just going to look a little different on those first Sundays of the month. We're going to spread out in homes, be face-to-face, -face, and we're just going to gather. We're going to gather together and, and, and just love each other and do life together. And I do need to preface that small community is messy. It is messy and hard and you're, let's be honest, people be crazy. Come on, can I just get like, I need a, like a, a, an emoji hand clap somewhere out there. People, listen, I am crazy. You are crazy. You have your stuff. I have my stuff. We all have different personalities. We're all a mixed bag of emotions, good and bad, and uh, not, not bad emotions, but there's good things going on in our lives and not so good things going on in our lives, if you know what I'm trying to say. And we bring that to community. And it's hard. Small community is hard, but we actually do really believe that this is one shift we wanna make coming back. So how's it gonna work? The first Sunday of every month, like I said, we're just gonna meet in Praxis communities. Our hope is this, if you're already in a Praxis community that meets regularly, you would also take time to continue to meet on the first Sunday of each month instead of coming to a larger gathering because there will be no larger gathering. You just, if you're in a Praxis community, you would also begin to gather on that first Sunday of each month. If you're not in a community, which is a lot of people, and it's gonna be a lot of people that come into our church over the next years, a couple years, it's our hope to get you interacting with a small community, it really is. And the hope is, is that you can meet regularly on the first Sunday of each month in that community together. So for even, even for people that can't meet throughout the week, we've heard this a lot over the years, I can't do stuff throughout the week, that's okay. You know, one of our visions is not to pull you out of the world, is to, we want to gather together faithfully and we want to see Jesus followers go into the world. And so we don't want to pull you out. So we want to give you the opportunity, everybody in the church would have the opportunity at least once a month on, on that first Sunday because we would be meeting regularly anyways. So these communities will also have the ability to meet other times. So it's not just going to be the first Sunday of the month. If these groups and communities want to meet throughout the month as well, we just say right on. We say, go for it, do it. You'll be able to meet in these communities at least on the first of the month and then build a schedule out of other times you'd like to meet throughout the month. So I think of Heather and I right now, we will be leading a Praxis community in the fall and we will meet with that community on the first of the month and uh, gather together with them. And then probably our rhythm will be meeting a couple weeks later throughout the week. And a couple times a month, we'll be meeting with that group of people to practice the way of Jesus together and to join in in community. So our hope for the first Sunday of the month is to do this, is to release a short video, 10 or 12 minutes long, that will go out the week of, either on the Thursday or Friday, that groups can use to facilitate connection and discussion for their group. So the hope is, is that group leaders can facilitate that video in their group. If you wanna pre-watch that short video that's tied to our themes on Sundays, if you wanna watch that video and come ready to discuss, or ideally, the groups, we hope, can watch the video together on the Sunday, that first Sunday of the month, and take time to pray, and there'll be questions in there, and just discuss, and be a community, and practice together, and, and have some fun along the way. Our plan also is to meet with the group leaders and hosts leading up to each of the first Sunday of the month and just gather with them to hear from them, equip them, take some time online just to connect, make sure everybody's equipped and ready to go as a way in which we can continue to be the church in the city. Now, ideally, these Praxis communities will meet in the morning on the first Sunday of each month. 
though we know maybe some of them will want to meet either in the afternoon or evening. We'll leave that up to the discretion of the leaders. And we'll also encourage, you know, just encourage them to gather when they feel comfortable. For some, maybe they want the morning off and want to meet in the evening. We're totally open to that. But the hope is, is it just means that everyone is invited into a Praxis community where we move from rows, turn into kind of circles, and it would just be a, a continual way in which we go deeper as a church. And here, here's what I notice. Here's what I notice. I notice that there are, a, churches lie. Can I just be honest with you? Churches lie a bit. A lot of churches will say this. They'll say, we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. You ever hear, hear this? I hear this all the time. Maybe it's just my pastor world. Um, such an interesting statement because most of the time people are lying. I don't know very many churches that have more than like 40% of people in small groups. And I understand we say that because that's the hope and the desire. With moving to the first Sunday of the month where we'll be in small groups or practice communities, it's just a statement by us to say, we're not just saying these things. We really do want to be a church of communities that then gather together. And so one of the things we think is that actually the way we set this up is a great way of seeing this happen. So we haven't talked a ton with the leaders, hosts, and different things. This is new, and we have a few months in which we feel like we can really have some discussion and dialogue, and it's hard, and it's messy, and church is sometimes in smaller settings is like that. We want to make sure everybody is equipped. We also want to make sure with the leaders and hosts that we go through things like abuse prevention and just different things that we can help in making sure that these things flourish. But that's where we're headed, just one little change, first Sunday, 12 times a year, being in communities together. So, uh, here we're, here's where we're at. Zoom, next bunch of weeks, until the restrictions are lifted. We'll go to Village Green for the summer months and then be back at it on Sunday mornings in the fall with a rhythm of the first Sunday morning being in Praxis communities. Now, with all that said, I just want to take a minute and bring you up to speed with where I'm at personally and with where we're at as Team Fess. Now, a little precursor, I hate it, I loathe, I loathe talking about myself and our family. So please bear with me. But I actually, I do think this is an important piece in what we're talking about in, and in our church's journey. Um, many of you know that in 2018, I graduated from seminary. And I had a fantastic time. I mean, seminary for me uh, was a beautiful season in my life where I was able to earn a master's degree in theological studies and was just exposed to some wonderful people and academics. And most of my focus during that season was actually on the church in post-Christian Canada. So I was reading and engaging with people. And I can't say it enough. It was a super fruitful time in my life. It was, I think, a really important time in my own development as a leader and a thinker, as a pastor and as a teacher. And it was only a few years ago, but I look back on those days and... Just, yeah, just so happy that I had that experience. Uh, about a year later, after graduating, in the spring of 2019, I began to seek out opportunities to potentially further my education at a doctoral level. So I was looking at some PhD and other doctorate programs, just getting a sense if this was an opportunity and there, or if there was opportunity there. And quite honestly, this seemed like a natural fit in the way that I'm wired, especially those of you that know me. I love just thinking and academics. And I honestly, at that point, thought that it would be a journey I would potentially take while pastoring at the same time. I thought uh, back in 2019, all right, we'll pastor and we'll do probably a PhD or some sort of doctoral work on the side. Now, with that said, there is, uh, there's a story, I think, underneath it all that needs to be kind of told here as to why I was thinking that way. Part of potentially pursuing this doctoral work was also because um, Heather and I had often dreamed of what it would be like later in life to be bivocational and not dependent financially on the church. So I'm going to get real honest here. <clears throat> uh, from our experience, we've seen a lot of pastors who are older in age get stuck. They just get stuck. And they ultimately make decisions based on the fact that they're supported financially, totally, by the church. And we've just seen people get stuck along the way where they make decisions or they do things 
because they're fully dependent on the church providing for them financially. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. Uh, The church needs pastors, absolutely. We had just thought, and we have been talking a lot about this the last year, we have just thought, what if down the road, because Heather has her business and it's flourishing, and if I sought out like a PhD kind of teaching thing on the side or something like that, that we would be able to serve the church down the road, like 20 years from now, more freely. We were just envisioning a way in which we could just serve freely. Um, Even to get more honest, a lot of this has to do with the fact uh, that when we started City View 10 years ago, we had nobody older with us. Nobody. Like nobody old. Nobody in their 40s, 50s, 60s. We were all basically 30 years and and under. I think Serge, I think you're out there somewhere, Serge. Serge was like the uh, eldest, elder statesman, I think, at like 31 years old when we, start, when we started this thing. We were babies. I was 27. Heather, I think, was 25 at the time or whatever. And there's part of that, honestly, that is sad. It really is. And I often think about that, and I think it's actually shaping Heather and I's story. You know, we came from a great church at the time who supported us. My dad and the team at Roeview were wonderful, but it also felt like those who were later in age, in their 50s and 60s, couldn't do the church plant thing. It was easy in their comfortable churches. There were others who couldn't get over the mobility and kind of the transientness of a startup church plant or the worship style they couldn't get over was a little louder or the guy in skinny pants learning how to teach and preach. Some people had a hard time getting over that guy. Dang. And, uh, you know, there were others. It was just the fact that there wasn't people their age in the community. <clears throat> and so Heather and I, we talk a lot and we look back on that. And it's, it may, this may sound weird to you. We have a dream down the road, later in life, in old age, I know this week I just turned 38, Heather, however old you are, 36 or whatever, we have a dream to be a blessing. We really do. And I think it's rooted in the fact that a maturity around us in the early days of our church planting journey was something we didn't have. We were all kind of young and going for it. And so whether it's here at Praxis in 20 years or somewhere where we can come alongside uh, young leaders with no strings attached, that's what we want to do. We're saying it now in our late 30s because we have this type of vision for our lives. We want to be, hear me clearly, we want to be a blessing, especially in a world where as people age, especially Christians, as they age, they tend to think of themselves and their own comforts. We're trying to resist that a little bit. So we just began to talk over the last little while about how we want to set ourselves up well for the future. And guys, I can see it. I can see it, okay? Sexy grandma Heather on the door welcoming people on Sundays, using her gifts. Oh, I can see it, right? Of course, she would be taking a phone call here or there for her business. But I can see it, Heather. Sexy grandma Heather. I can't wait for sexy grandma Heather. And I'm sorry if that's just too much information. But I love it. And I, and I, I... partly kind of envision myself. Like, what if I could just give myself and my gifts in serving the next generation freely? Ultimately, in a generation that, so my generation, and most of you are millennials, my generation, if my generation struggles to participate regularly in church, I can't imagine what this is gonna be like for my kids' generation. And we just love, I would love, to be on the door down the road 20 years from now. Serve when I can. Teach if need be. And if not, no worries. Be heaven I on the front row, cheering on the church with no strings attached. This has been a vision that has been cultivating in us over the last year or so. So now, okay, now, hang with me, okay? Now back to 2019 and looking at, you know, a PhD option for their education. I could have, a couple years ago, entered into a doctoral program, but we began to realize a couple things. One, it's freaking hard. It would be a lot of work. And I certainly could have done it. I know we have people in our community that have that type of education. I could have done it, but it was going to be a lot of work. But two, we were realizing that this kind of education and then teaching afterwards would probably take us away from London. And here's the thing, we don't want to leave London. We love it here. 
Our family is rooted here. Again, Heather's work is flourishing here. Our church is here. We, like you guys know, we love our neighbors in our neighborhood. I'm sorry, but like we just, we love where God has placed us. I can't leave the guys that I play hockey with. And that may sound funny to you, but I love the community that we're in. We love our kids' friends and their families. We love our sports clubs. I think you get the picture. We love it here. And so I put a pause on the potential of doing doctoral work purely because I was wrestling through what the outcome would be. Is it worth it? Is, is this even worth it down the road? Um, and during this time, I was also reading, as you do, a lot about human psychology, mental health, and psychotherapy, and just around things like the theory of change and human psychology and just kind of engaging that. You've probably even heard me say things like, if you want a job in the future, you should consider working in the mental health profession. And I actually, I would continue to say that. I think a a little while ago I even said, if you want work in the future, what you should do is you should go to school and become a a worker for those and helping those with digital addiction because, I mean, this is going to be the great epidemic of our generation because probably some of you right now are watching your, your phones while you watch us right here, right? No judgment, but it is what it is. So I'd kind of say these things jokingly, and I had said it in the past, but never once thought about myself. And in this season, as I began to read and engage the profession of counseling, I also, and I don't use this word lightly, but providentially began to meet counselors and psychotherapists and social workers working in this field. And I became super interested, again, in human psychology, a theory of change, and this connection of psychology and theology. And so as Heather and I have got talking, I began to feel like there may be an opportunity to diversify into a different discipline, one that would continue to keep us rooted, uh, our family rooted here in London, which would be the discipline of counseling psychology. So the same month that I decided not to do doctoral work, I applied for a master's of counseling program and was accepted and began this work on my own. So please hear me, on my own time, not church work, on my own time in January 2020. And I was plugging away on my own time in January 2020 doing these courses, and then this thing happened in March, COVID-19, right? So when I started the courses, I thought, okay, our family is super busy, we have three kids in hockey, there's lots going on, Church is busy and it's a beautiful life and uh, and a way to lead. So I said, if this gets in the way or it's too much, I'll just shut her down. And then March 2020 happened. And though my work with the church obviously didn't decrease, if anything, it became more work, trying to go online and the media side and shifting and pivoting to being online and trying to lead a community in a pandemic, other areas of our lives settled down and I had time to continue, I had time to continue to do these courses and engage these things And so while, no judgment here, while most people were watching and have been watching a ton of Netflix over the last 15 months, I've been doing this master's program nonstop, sitting at the kitchen table, working away uh, with this extra time, learning about Freud, Carl Jung, and uh, cognitive therapy and family systems and all sorts of fascinating stuff that nobody really cares about, I'm sure. But it's been so good. Like this journey has been so good for me, something I never would have expected. And it's been the hardest season of my life sleepless nights and preparing and in engaging this. So here's the thing. I don't think with the pace of my life I would have been able to do this without COVID, but here we are. It's kind of put me in an interesting position right now as to where we are, and I know I'm talking a lot. This program was accelerated, um, and the coursework actually ends in the next few months, and I'm not that far away through this whole whirlwind of a journey from being a qualifying psychotherapist, which will then move in the next year or so to being a registered psychotherapist. So in many ways, this has been a bit of what we would call, I think as a family, an unexpected turn for me personally and just how this has all come together. So with the evolution of this over the last little while, I've actually been discussing with our lead team about the potential of going bivocational going bivocational. I've shared the dream that Heather and I have, you know, sexy grandma Heather, right? And I have for down the road, we do have this vision for down the road, but the ability to be able to work in psychotherapy in the, new future, in the near future has opened up some doors I, don't, I did not think would come so quickly. So I've been discussing with our wonderful lead team here about the potential over the next year or so of looking towards adding a person 
or persons to our team that could help take Praxis into the future. Because of psychotherapy, I'll have the ability in the near future, not that far away, to pull back some of my hours and my responsibility and my work at Praxis and whether that's to go part-time or whatever, I don't know what that is yet, but, and to add a leader or maybe some other leaders in the story here as we journey forward. That's one of the things we're just thinking about. For me, this is super exciting, okay? Like this is actually really exciting. And gosh, I know I've been talking about myself a lot here and I know this has been long. I promise there'll be like no personal examples over the next couple months in the teachings. But a lot of this is rooted in my own pastoral work over the last 17 years. In ministry over the last 17 years, every position I've been in has always been multitasked. When I did student ministry at Royal View, some of you were there. My role was not just overseeing growth, like the growing student ministry that was happening. It also involved doing music and helping with the overall vision of the church. Then we planted City View in 2011, and I was writing and branding teaching series for both sites. I was overseeing music for both sites. Just think about that. That's a terrible idea, but that's what we were doing. I was running events for both sites and assuming responsibility for all the volunteers and kids stuff at City View at the time. It was intense. And listen, nobody was forcing me to do this. I was just kind of doing it. I was taking it on myself. And the running joke was that if I continued with this type of responsibility, I was going to end up in my basement with an Xbox and a bottle of Jack, uh, and a bottle of Jack Daniels. And I don't even have an Xbox, right? That was the running joke. So I'm thankful in 2015 that the team at Royal View just kind of released me and was able to release us to purely focus on City View at the time. And now we've been able to move forward in to Praxis Church in 2019. I just say all that because I've absolutely loved leading here, but with being a solo pastor in a church plant comes with what I would call a lot of multi-responsibilities and a lot of responsibilities. And I've wondered with this kind of new shaping ability to be bivocational, if I would best serve Praxis in the future in primarily a leading and teaching role and that we could see others join in in leading other areas in church life. Quite honestly, this is, this is what Heather and I actually feel is best for the community moving forward, especially with COVID and with the shift that we've talked about and kind of regathering. We feel like this is a time to let our church community know. And with all humility, I say this with all humility, we've had lots of opportunities to go and do the traditional thing of having a church that we would have staff under us and and we would primarily focus on teaching and vision and leading. And we've had those opportunities, but we, we want to be here. And in a sense, what we've done is we've, I've tried to work to create this type of opportunity. With the size of our church, with the budget of our church, we would not be able to do this otherwise. But we feel like this is right for the next season of our church. And so with all that said, we just want to let you know that Right now, we are entering what we would call a leadership discerning process as the lead team. We're just leaning in and entering into a discerning process about leadership in the future. And we wanted to be transparent with you today. We don't have a lot of answers for you today in the sense of we just wanted to get out there and be transparent. First of all, I will be entering into a practicum at some point, and I didn't want people to see and be like, hey, what, what, what's... What is Drew doing working for a private practice in town? Obviously, this type of work will be kept very private and distant uh, from church life, but I just, we just wanna, I wanna be transparent early, early on in the process to let people know some of the things that are going on in our hearts, and I wanted to let you in on our journey, and I'm, I'm rambling, I know, but I think this is important. And if you do have questions, that's great. To be honest, again, we don't have a ton of answers right now as far as just getting it out there that we're looking at future leadership of Praxis. We believe, and the reason why we've got this out on the table now is because we believe this will take time. And that's why we wanted to say something now. It will take time, and we would love for you to pray with us in this whole process and in this whole journey. Would you pray for our church community in all the shifting that's going on because of COVID and 11 households moving away and trying to replant and all that, but would you also pray for this leadership discerning process? You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to show this, share this now is because I do think it lines up with our vision, our mission, and the regathering that we want to do here in the future. And I also want to say this before we close, okay? I know this has been long, gosh. Um, this is our decision. 
So I work and I'm in a network with a lot of church plants in our own denomination. And what tends to happen is a church plant will start, it gets a lot of funding from the denomination, and the, the money kind of stops, and then the church is left, and sometimes the pastor has to go by vocational purely because there's not enough money or finances in the church. I want to make it very clear with all, all y'all, that is not our case. You guys have been amazingly faithful. This is not a money thing. This is, please hear me. This is not, Praxis is not doing well, and they can't pay their pastor anymore. It's, it is actually completely the opposite. And... I said to our lead team, I think this is why it's super healthy is because this has been initiated by us. We're in a really good spot. Don't stop giving. Uh, and our, church, our family feels like we're a part of this. We love giving oodles of money to this community to see it move forward and to see the discipleship and to see the outreach and all that happens. We love being a part of that story. I just don't want any other, we would hope that there wouldn't be kind of narratives that would say, uh, this has been forced. This is not at all. This is our initi- initiation, and this is something we want. We feel like for the health of the community and for the health of our, our own family in moving forward. So, if you have questions, I'd love to chat. I know we're connecting with a, a community group this week, and if you just love to take time, I would love. We wanted to get the, this out early enough to be able to say, "Hey, like, if you want to have a conversation, join in at some point. Maybe have a coffee. We would absolutely love that. We do want to chat. And uh, I know from, I don't want to speak for Heather." but one of the things that we're very self-aware of in this whole process is we don't want to get in the way. We don't want to get in the way. We want to be a part of what's happening here to see the the church move forward. Um, We've tried our best in this, man, to create a community that's simple and and practicing. You know, there was a community that wasn't pressuresome. No uh, church handle names in your uh, social media accounts, no forcing people into certain things to try and, you know, move the church forward. We've just really tried in a way just to draw people in and say, hey, let's be a practicing community. We believe the future is bright. Um, I had a little talk from the Bible, but this has gone longer than I've ever talked, I think, before. So I'll share it another time. Uh, for now, what I want to do is I'll just, I want to hand it over for a quick minute, stay with us, to our lead team. They just want to say a little hi, don't want to say hi and just pray over us and then we'll be done this morning. Grace and peace, we love you and um, I hand it over to you, Marco. You're amazing.